I think we're live. Hold on. <clears throat> I need to press the music. Oh, now it's saying all this fucking shit. I'm having a bad day. Where's all the things? All I keep doing is turning the fucking logos on and off. Fucking go. This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Not our best start. To be fair, Max, I've been sitting here for, what, 12 minutes now waiting for you to press the right button and you still put the wrong show on the credits. <laughs> this is the OG show now with you and Toby. <laughs> well, it's not, not it's not Thursday, it's not the OG show and I don't know what I'm doing. Welcome everyone to another episode of Thursday Night Live on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, doesn't make sense. I know. Uh, we're not even sure if you're ever going to be able to listen to this because we did record one two weeks ago, but something happened if Max pressed the wrong button and we spent an hour of our lives ripping a, a new one for Max and nobody heard it. Very special. Mike, Very special. Mike, thank you for joining us this morning because I don't know if I could part with an hour of Max in this mood today. Well, he's lucky I'm up, to be fair, because uh, I did the school run. So, good morning, champignons. <laughs> good morning. And Max, Max, smile. Max, look at me. Look, mm. is everything working? Is it recording? It, it, appears, it, appears to be, it appears to be working, but now it's telling me that my connection is bad, so I'm trying to fix that as well. So, carry on so, without me for the time being, Darren. That would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> It's not an issue, action. really, is it? Let's face it. No. We won. We won. We won a game of football. We won. How's it feel, Mike? Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of relief there. Um, I'm not going to, like I say, it's, it's just relief more than anything else. It's about time that we got three points. It's about time we're not on the bottom of the league. It's like I just say, like I say, I can't say anything else but relief. Uh, I'm sure we're going to go into the game, so I'll go into it a bit more when we go into it. So it's just, it's just a bit of joy there for a change. I just want to make sure that no one on this podcast says to me it's only Norwich. Okay, I know it's only Norwich. I know it was only Norwich, but after watching the game at the Emirates, so full of joy, so full of relief. I walk in the pub. After straight after the game, a pub on the Blackstock Road, the T-Bird, where I drink every time I go to Arsenal, and my mate there, Scott, who I see from time to time, his opening words were, well, it was only Norwich. Why bother going to football? Why spend all your money? Why spend a £1,000 on a season ticket? Why take your boy? Why, why, why take your son, who I've seen grow up from five on his first game to 18 last week, and he's still he's just as miserable as anything. It's football. We won. Let's enjoy it. We know it's only Norwich, but the week before it was Manchester City. You know, let's balance it out. It's a game of football and we won one. No, I wasn't going to say it's only Norwich. I'm just, like a, like I said a minute ago, it's just relief. That's all I'm bothered about. It's just the relief. 
yeah. of actually finally getting off the bottom of the table. That that's all I can think of that with this at this moment in time. It's just we're not bottom of the league anymore. So I don't have to get all this shit from all these fans around me because I'm an, I'm up north. Everyone's either a Liverpool fan or a Man United fan. And all I've had for the last since the Prem started, you know, since this season started, all I've had is nothing but abuse and I'm just sad enough. <laughs> so we're not bottom <laughs> of the league anymore. So I don't have to have that abuse. And what a I great just get the other, other abuse. Were you at the Emirates, right? Were you? At, no, um, no, I, I couldn't make it to uh, this one. Um, do you know what was? I, I don't know if it came across on the TV, but obviously we just watched <laughs> Tottenham get absolutely their asses mm. uh, uh, whipped by a, a, a Vieira run Crystal Palace, and I don't know if it came over on the telly, but I reckon for the first five minutes of the game. All the fans sang was Vieira's name, and it was a party atmosphere. You know, we'd all turn up, we'd all had a few pints, and we'd watch Spurs get their asses handed to them. Max, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, that that came across on the telly as well as some other songs as well. So, Max, are you back with us? Somewhat, yeah. I, I, am I okay? Am I coming through loud and clear? Yeah, you're a little blurry, but that's that's good on a podcast. All right. It, it <laughs> might be as it, it, might sh- be it as should as be pixelated. Let's face it. It might be as good as what I get. If it stays this fucking shit, I'm moving on to a laptop. Now there's a fucking bug in here. I'm not I'm not having a good day. But the football was good, boys. The football was very good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um I was just saying being able about, to open up your phone and not have a Mike tirade of abuse. I was just saying to Mike about the crowd. There's something I mean, I know it's early season, but after I don't know, the last 10 years ago to the Emirates, it's been a bit miserable. And the misery has overtaken the positivity, you know. And and I understand it. I mean, we've been in this steady decline. But the, the, the mood this season has changed. And I understand, I mean, this is only what someone told me. I may be wrong, but there was about 14,000 people didn't renew their season tickets at the Emirates. Um, and looking around me in the stadium, I don't know if that's quite as accurate, but there's certainly some of the people I hated seeing every week aren't there anymore. And I mean that, you know, these the, the misery, miserable people. And the atmosphere has changed. If we have actually got a third of our season ticket holders who actually left and they've been replaced by a new blood who are still excited about going to the Emirates, who are still enjoying themselves. And the atmosphere in the stadium for the two games, including Chelsea, has been outstanding. It's really fun going to football again. Real fun. You know, the miserable bastards are gone. Well, I know a lot of, uh, well, I say a lot, I've seen a lot of people throughout um, my social media world that have actually put theirs on hold again this year or, you know, I can't remember what the, the, you know, I can't remember the full exact term for it. So, yeah, a lot of people have done that as well. Yeah, they're allowed to take a season ticket holiday, weren't they? That's it, yeah. With with COVID about. And I'm not sure. I'm sure there are other reasons why people didn't renew their memberships, both financial, lockdown, People not there is a lot to get maxed up to come in. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons. But one thing that, that at least is starting to become true of our football club is it seems like there are less hangers-on than what there were, as in those Arsenal fans who were only Arsenal fans because they loved Thierry Henry or only Arsenal fans because they thought that we were a big club. So exodus at the moment. Yeah, glory-hunting plastic fans, as I call them. Yeah, glory hunting plastic fans—they've gone. Not all Chelsea of them, fans, but they've gone. 
It was also, <laughs> I mean, you've got to remember with COVID, a lot of the old people like me have died and moved on, you know? So it's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's been a natural regeneration there. I feel like I've been watching an episode of Doctor Who and we've got a new doctor in now. You know, it's uh, it's kind of exciting, you know? It's a really, really, really good day. I mean, maybe because I had about six or seven pints before I went to the game always makes me feel a little bit joyous when I get there. But it was just such a lovely, lovely atmosphere. It was hot. It felt like the first game of the season, you know? And I wish it had been. <laughs> anyway, look, look, let's talk about it a bit about it. Um, that I mean, I don't. We don't do on this podcast. We never do team selections. But the the thing that was sort of outstanding for me is he put Aaron Ramsdale in goal. What did you make of that decision? Anyone, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'd sort of. I, I I went with it. You know, he, he needs game time in some respect and he didn't he didn't do much wrong at West Brom when he was there um I understand probably why he didn't play against Man City because new keeper in a new team going to Man City it wouldn't have helped his confidence whatsoever you know that I think that would have been really rough on a new a new player in the team with going to you know at home to Norwich first home game of the season if you're going to put your all in, I think that it's that game to put your all in. He didn't overly have much to do, uh, but what he did do was really good. So it's nice to see him get that. And I think it's just going to build on his confidence as well. I just thought it was a, it was a statement. I mean, we've never had, or not in recent years, we've had a, a second choice goalkeeper that's just been picked. I mean, he's been, he's been at the club, what, two, three weeks and suddenly he was first choice in a Premier League game. To me, I that... think yeah, I think you're probably looking a bit too much into it. You know, I think it's I think it's more of a confidence builder as well. You know, Leno hasn't been great over the last few games. You know, after Man City, that's going to take its toll on anyone. You know, a, a massive five nil drumming uh, and getting absolutely battered by him all over the pitch. It's going to knock your confidence. So he might not have wanted to play against Norwich. I thought um, he might have. You know, Arteta might have just thought, well, I'm going to put Ramsdale in because I know you said don't say it's only Norwich, but <laughs> there is that case. There is the case of it's Norwich. It's only Norwich. It's giving you a confidence builder. You know, it, it helps. It's going to help you out. And with him having a full team, sort of a full team selection to choose from, right? You know, there wasn't. I think there was only maybe was there an injury in there. Oh no, there's only Xhaka who couldn't play. Yeah, so I mean, it's going to help him out as well. And Having a full back line, I think it's going to build his confidence up. So I think maybe you're looking too much into it. Maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I absolutely thought he has decided this is my this is my back four. Yeah. New guy at right back who we'll talk about soon because I love right back Tom. Uh, right back uh, Tierney, and then he's got Gabrielle back and he's got Ben White back. So I think his thought was, and this is my new goalkeeper. I think that was absolutely a defining moment. I think, I mean, I don't, I'm a, I'm a Leno fan. I think Leno gets some terrible stick and he's a very, very good goalkeeper. But Leno has lost the crowd. And I think that the fact that Leno said in the summer, I don't know where I'll be at the end of the contract, not the, I love this club and I'm going to fight until we're back at the top. It was an attitude that made me think that he's decided he doesn't like it here. He doesn't want to stay long-term. The club have bought the new goalkeeper for quite a lot of money. He's only young. And Arteta has gone, right, fuck it. This is the start of the new team. I'm going to put them all in and let's see what happens. I think that's our new first choice 
goalkeeper. I might be wrong because I have been once or twice in my life, but I yeah. think that could be the uh, the new lineup. I think, yeah, well, I, I understand what you're saying there as well, but you've got to think with Leno's point of view is he's had a lot of stick for a lot, you know, all last season he was getting so much aggro from fans. You know, we went through the whole season, everyone saying we should have kept Martinez, we should have kept Martinez. You know, some, sooner or later it's going to affect you. He's going to see all these, he's going to see all this. You know, he's not he's not blind and I'm sure people are telling him around him what what people are saying. And if Arsenal fans are going to turn on a player so quickly, who within, you know, it's not even within a season, you know, it was pretty much bang on the start of the season. We should have kept Martinez <laughs> rather than Leno. And two seasons prior to that, people were picking him as the second best player in the team at the time behind Aubameyang or sometimes in front of Aubameyang. And it's within one game people have just turned on him. So I, I get where he's probably coming from by saying, look, you know, no one likes me anymore. I didn't really do much wrong. You know, he, he had a bad season, but the whole team had a bad season. You can't just pinpoint it on one player, which people tend to do. And they just turned like they turned on a dial. It was so quick to turn on him. And it was su su such a shame as well, because probably at that time he could have done with that crowd back up as well. You know, and it's that's the issue, I think. And that's probably why he said, I don't know where I'm going to be after my contract. You know, because it's like, if people are going to turn on you that quick. Yeah, there's a lot of players. I say, I yeah. don't see how it helps at all, all of the no. criticism. You know, what is the point? You know, I'm so excited about this Arsenal team now. Mm. We're rubbish. We've dropped down a level. We're not where we were. No. There's a plan now, in my opinion, to get back up. And for that plan to work, we need six of these 10 young kids to actually become very, very good, whether that happens or not, because it doesn't always. Bellerin was going to be the best right back in the world. Jack Wilshere was going to be the best central midfielder in world football. You know, all the, I've seen young players come into Arsenal and some of them have worked like Fabregas and Wilshere was fabulous and Bellerin was fabulous. But once they got over that 23, 24-year-old period, they didn't improve. And we've got, you know, 9, 10, 11 young players. So this isn't me saying, yes, it's all going to work. <laughs> so we're just, for those of you listening on the podcast, if this ever goes out, if Max presses the right button, Max has just come back into the picture once again with the uh, hashtag fuck this shit internet shit. I'm back, baby. Although, I'm in. So it's only 25 minutes into the show, or 25 minutes from the published time, and Max joins us. Welcome, Max. <laughs> it hasn't been a very good day. I'm sure I said that before, but it hasn't been a very good day for me. I got two speeding fines in the same speed trap across two separate weeks from doing the same delivery to the same houses. And I also delivered there last week, which means I think I've got another speeding fine coming because if I fucking thought it was 60 the first two fucking weeks, I sure as fuck thought it was 60 for the third fucking week. And if that happens, I'll lose my fucking license. Everything is shit. But Arsenal were good. I God, mean, you're I such a fucking halfway. Fucking hell. And I named this podcast Winning Breads Winning instead of Breeds. So apparently now we've apparently we're now crumbing victory. See, yeah, I first thought you were, you were doing a bit of home baking during lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the Great British Bake Off starts again soon, so who knows? So if anyone knows me and Max on Twitter, you, you, they must have seen, like, I've, I've taken the piss out of him for his spelling enough times. I've just had enough of doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> so have you been listening, Max? 
No, heard nothing running around trying to get the internet to work, which I have now, as you can see, I have achieved, Darren. I have <laughs> yes. achieved. It's 626. Yeah. It's 26 minutes it took me to achieve this. Yeah. Well, all we've talked about basically was Leno and Ramsdale. What did you take on Ramsdale coming into the side? Let me just tell you that I think this is a, a sea change and I think this is Arteta's first choice now. Um, mm. Mike's um, a, a little bit unsure. I just thinks I'm reading a bit too much into it. Well, I've got a little bit of a theory on it that there are some players in this team who were sold something that seems to not exist. And I think Leno was one of those players who's maybe sold something as he was coming to Arsenal to win things. I think Thomas Partey might end up being in this same boat as well. I don't think they signed on for a youth project that might take another two seasons to come good. I think primes of their careers, good players, that's what I think's happened with Leno. I think his attitude has probably dipped because when he joined Arsenal, I don't think he thought, I can't wait to play with... Tavares, Longaka, and fucking John Tonkotsu. <laughs> Tommy Yasu, even I've learned. Did I, it. I, I don't even think I got Longaka's name wrong. Lakong, Lakonga. Yeah. I did it. But that's that's what that's what I think has happened. I think you're starting to see attitudes of certain players who maybe thought that they were seen. I, I was reading something the other week saying that Thomas Party wasn't particularly happy either, but. I don't know what fucking rag that came from. It might have just been an assumption piece. But that's kind of what I saw with the Ramsdale thing. I think the writing might have been on the wall for Leno anyway. Um, and I, I thought, I mean, he wasn't really, really heavily tested, but I felt secure. He wasn't tested at all. Come on. He, yeah. he didn't have a save to make, I don't think, in the game, did he? Yeah, but he also didn't. I mean, except I mean, that's for that. not a criticism. That is not a criticism. It was no, just except for, except he had, he had a couple of saves, but there wasn't really... Test worthy. It was more. I just you know, mean I, like I wasn't shitting myself, Mike. I wasn't shitting no. myself like like I was shitting myself when fucking you know Runison went into goal. You know, well, like, and I don't know if it came across on the box when you were watching it, but he's a very vocal keeper. You can hear him. You can hear him shouting. You can hear him dictating. Yeah. Which for a twenty-three-year-old kid, I think he's a real good sign. I think there's something special about him. Doesn't um, mean he's, he's got, good. I yell at heaps of people on the football pitch. We've got lots of people <laughs> criticizing the signing. Yeah, I do when, too. When we signed, <laughs> and I'm not on the pitch half the time. <laughs> when we signed Aaron Ramsdale. He got loads of shit in, in so, on social media before we you know just for signing. We should have kept Martinez, spending twenty odd million pound on a second choice goalkeeper. And yet, did you see his uh, his his press that he did with Arsenal when he joined the club? He's got a smile as wide as mine. Yeah, he's uh, he's just he looks like he's a positive, happy kid. And I'm so pleased that didn't he uh, bring his granddad's or his dad's ashes or something like? I think it was his granddad's ashes to the actual press conference, didn't he? Because he was that did, proud yeah. of signing for Arsenal. Yeah. You know, it's something like that. It's like, all right, you got to give him some some sort of credit for that. You know, you've gone all out there, haven't you? If you're bringing your granddad's ashes, I it. saw I saw a lot of people online talking about the fact, you know, he's been relegated, you know, three times, whatever it is, with three different clubs. But a, a keeper is really at the whim of the team in front of him. Ultimately, if he's if you're in a relegation team, I don't think a keeper has ever been the player that's kept someone up. It's always goals that keep you up. It's really the guy. Between the sticks. So, like we spoke about last week, Darren. Well, it doesn't all... matter. Last week didn't exist. Nobody heard us <laughs> last week. All, all of these, all of these, um, 
I guess all of these signings, we recognize that they're time-based signings now, and we are going to see how they play out. And we won't know their value today because, as you said last week, Darren, in your infinite wisdom, these signings weren't made for today. These signings were made for 12 months' time, and these signings were made for when we bring other players in on top of them. But I thought he looked secure. I thought he looked quite good in his own box. I thought as in commanding in his own box. I think it's been a long time since we had a big physical keeper and he looked like a big lump to me as well. And I don't, I've always got a soft spot for a bigger style keeper, not a two foot Mexican Espina style keeper. Um, but other than that, all good. I think Very the thing happy. that should also be mentioned when anyone says to me that he's been relegated, you know, three years running with three different clubs or whatever. I know at least for the last two years, he was also those clubs player of the season, the supporters player of the season. I like that. You know, that's that's a big, um, important tick mark for me is how the fans have appreciated you. Can so, I just say something else as well, really quickly, Darren? People look at the transfer fee far too much. Because for me, it's not so much about the transfer fee, it's about the wages, right? So if you sign a player on a good, a, a young player on a good long tom- contract and you pay big numbers for him, but he comes in on, you know, 90K, 80K, 100K, he's not coming in, it's not that money and then it's 300 grand on top of it. So it's all relative wages, longevity, resale, all of those elements come together. And I, was, I think I was reading the other days on, less than 100k a week so and he had got a pay rise to come to us and he was still sitting on less than 100k a week so if I mean, that let's is be realistic the case at that. i mean that's one of the reasons we're putting these young kids you can hear all my positivity about it's a plan and there's something out for the future but from a financial point of view the reason for bringing in um eight you know six players under the age of 23 is because they're cheaper you know, I mean, we have reduced our wage bill. We are now, you know, we've got rid of the Urzels, we've got rid of the high-paid players, Sanchez, etc. Willian cancelled his own contract. Yeah, which fair play to him, to be honest. Yeah. When I'll was give, the I'll last give him, time? I'll give him credit for doing that. You know, Mike, when was the last time you re- you even remember a footballer, not just our club? You remember a footballer taking a genuine pay cut and putting their hand up and saying, "Oh no." It didn't work out for me. It wasn't the project I wanted. No, I, I think that's never. It's never to it. Never. Seen I think. Really. I've never I seen think it. that removes that removes any animosity that anyone could ever have towards Willian for his time on the pitch. Completely, just removes it. Well played to him. Mm. But yeah, I agree with Darren in in respect of you know you know bringing on these new signings. We've got rid. Of, we have got rid of a lot. We've still got a few to you know to get rid of rid of. Who's on high wages like Kalasniak, like Lacazette. You know, these are these players that are on big wages who aren't really doing much for the club. But, you know, we're, it's stepping in the right direction for that because bringing in these young lads like Ramsdale, uh, Tiramisu, um, you know, Lokonga, <laughs> you know, we have got all these players. Yeah, you know, okay, they may have charged a little bit more in the transfer budget, but they're on less than 100k a week, which is good for business, really. But it just, you know, it's taken out. We've got now Aubameyang's probably the, the highest paid in the club, I would think. He is the highest paid now, yeah. And Aubameyang is, you know, one of the leading players in world football, in theory, in, in that position. They're going to demand those sort of wages. And he's been with the club for a long time, so there was no yeah. transfer. He's also of that age demographic where players of that calibre, of that age demographic, they're signing contracts for the last couple of years of their life at that point. So, you know to get them, whether it was right or wrong that we got them, but to get those players, you need to pay bigger wages. With younger yeah. players, you pay higher transfer fees because 
the club has developed, generally the club you've got them from has developed them. So you pay the club for developing them. And then those players come over on lower transfer, uh, lower wages. And if they achieve, then they go on to higher wages. But here's the great thing about lower wages, guys. You can fucking sell players on lower <laughs> wages. You can't, if you, let, let's say you went and got Ramsdale for 20 million pound, but he was on 200K a week and then he shit. You've just bombed the money regardless because the fucker is still going to sit there and run his contract down because he's not getting 200k anywhere else. So we, we talked this... about this in the podcast that you never produced, you never published a couple of weeks back. <laughs> I did. Um, it said that it was fucking corrupted, Darren. And it might have been because, and this is for you, Darren, I used the C word several times. Yes. And I have this feeling that somehow... Big Brother is now listening. You know, after Twitter popped up saying, oh, you can't, like, Twitter won't fucking post your thing, I feel that maybe there was too much C-word for the general population, Darren. Yeah. Well, now, what, what are we talking about now? Because I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> We're talking about wages and resale. So it doesn't matter if you pay big money for a young kid. If the wages are low, you've got a better chance of recouping more of that money. So all in all, I think it'll end up being good business. Whether it ends up being a number one or a number two, it ends up being decent business. I, I, I just think it's the whole thing's positive. I just thought that whole lineup, apart from Thomas Party not playing, uh, and to make the Niles playing in the middle, I think that is possibly our first choice, with the exception that maybe Emil Smith Rowe will come in and play in one of those three uh, starting points. You've got your hand up, Max. Yeah, because last week in our podcast that didn't go out, you berated me, berated me several times. I was drunk for talking over you. So I thought I would raise my hand to ask a question, Darren. Well, what would you like to say, Max? Does anyone else not think that in that starting lineup, the odd man out of that starting lineup stylistically was Aubameyang? And that yeah. he didn't he did not suit anything that we were trying to do. He didn't get the ball in the right places and we're paying three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year for a tap emergent Merchant, I, I really, really plays think, and this is a, this is a waste of time saying this because it hasn't happened. But I really do think if the world had been a different place and we could have sold either a Bamiang or Lacazette, we would have bought Tam, Tam, Tammy Abraham's. I think that in an ideal world, if we could have got rid of one of those two, he would have bought a different striker to to fit that system. But I will say that Bamiang's looking sharp, didn't you think, Scott? I think um, that Bamiang's looking, um, you know, he's looking fitter than he did last year. He looked hungrier than he did last year. And he scored. What's the matter with you? Yeah, regardless of the goal, I agree with Max. You know, I think he's one of them, you know, after everything that's been going on and the whole transfer window and this set motion of what Arteta's trying to do with the team, you know, this formation, these tactics, the odd man out was a Bamiyang against Norwich. Mm -hmm. You know, he did look the odd man out. The ball wasn't really going to him that often. He was coming back to try and get it, you know. He wasn't. He was still wasn't even getting it there. You know, we're playing. We're playing a tactic where we're crossing the ball into the into the box the majority of the time. We've said it many many times before about this. Who too? You know, Abamyang doesn't head a ball. We know this. He's got what five headers in his whole career. Mm. So it's a case of like this guy is definitely the odd man out in this whole situation that Arteta and Edu were trying to build. Scunny, I said, and he's our most expensive year, player. I, yeah. I don't, I don't like Pepe and Aubameyang 
together, I, I think you end up with like two low touch players there. Um, and and honestly, I, I didn't say this in a I think Aubameyang is a bad player or I don't like Aubameyang. I said it in the sense of he feels like the odd man out in this system for me. And you may end up, I think we're going to end up in another situation as time goes on where the guy who is the less deadly striker, who's not doing the thing that Aubameyang does do when he gets in front of goal, which is finish. We're going to end up being in a position where we start going back and saying, well, we want to play Lacazette again, because as long as we're playing Odegaard and as long as we're playing Saka and as long as we're playing Pepe and we're bringing on ESR, it just feels that stylistically we require a less goals, low at uh, less goals, higher touch, back to goal striker. What have you what what have you put up? I'm no just saying read. something there. This is all, listening to all this negativity on Saturday morning. It's I'd not Abamyang it, being constructive criticism. Negativity, what I was showing you on the screen. I was just showing the bet I had on Saturday morning that Abamyang would win the golden boot. <laughs> so, Bollocks, <laughs> a terrible bet. I I hope I hope that you have enough money, Darren, to just frivolously just just throw for I hope fucking decorating or whatever it is you're doing with your life now is I was having doing a bet it on Saturday morning and I looked at the golden boot and of course there's some stiff competition out there. There's that there's that pensioner Ronaldo who's got the Tottenham. There's uh uh Lukaku who's a bit of a weakling who's probably gonna be injury prone. You know, there's there's a few players out there that that might that uh, Mohamed Salah, who's uh, going to disappear to the African Nations Cup and not come back again. You know, there's 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 some competition. But I just looked at the prices. Aubameyang's won the Golden Boot two out of the last four years or shared it on one occasion, one at another. He's 40 to one to win the Golden Boot. When this team kicks in and we start scoring goals again, he's going to be the main man because we haven't got anybody else. He's going to be there this year. He's going to play every game. While we're on the... Mike, while we're on the negative train, because, you know, we've got Darren on the ropes here, but while we're on the negative train, is anyone else starting to get the feeling that in the final third, Tierney is very, very slightly overrated for his production in the final third and that he's now so advanced all of the time? He doesn't see like he's responsible for smashing those balls into Aubameyang that he's never going to get to. I thought this was one of KT's worst performances for Arsenal that I've seen him have. The thing is, this is what I've been thinking about. Well, this is what I've been saying and I've, I've put out many a times about with Kieran Tierney in a minute. He's been told to do a job that it's never going to work with a Bamiyang at front. Mm. You know, he's been told to hammer it up the field, cross it into the box. To who? Every time to who? You know, it's 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 a nightmare, absolute nightmare. And you know, I like Kieran Tierney. I think he's a hell of a player, and I think he's going to be a great player for us. I love him. Great player for us at some point. I'm just talking just about his production. Yeah, I just think he's he's been told to do a job that isn't going to work in this team. Right at this moment in time, it will not work. You know, he's got no one to cross it into the box to. When he does cut in and put it low, there's no one running in. You know, you've got a Bamiyang who's furthest forward. Normally, we would have someone running in, like, for instance, if you went back a couple of years, you'd have uh, Ramsey running into the box. We haven't got that yet with ESR and Erdegaard because I just I think they're still m- learning to push forward. 
you don't see it half as much as what really we should. And I think that's the issue with Tierney at the minute, and this is why he's probably not looking as great as what he should be. It's getting exposed as well, though, Mike. Yeah. And, and, and we've found this over and over again now. He's getting exposed. He's pulling out of his position. I understand the whole preface that we kind of, when we're in attack, we're in a back three, and when we're in defence, we're in a back four. I understand that. Tonkotsu pulls in all of that shit. But there is a certain question there with Kieran Tierney that there's a little bit of kalasanak going on for me with Kieran Tierney, and I mean that get into a position, have your head down, and smash the ball into the box that you can smash in, not necessarily being that elite guy from a wide area who gets into the box and gets his head up and picks the pass. I guess the argument you're making there, Mike, is that is the pass there to pick? Do we have bodies flooding into the box? Hmm. Uh, listening to you, Joe, it's, it's sort of like for the first time this season, for the first time in ages, we we saw Arteta's first team, almost. You know, I mean, this is, you think of it another way. He's got a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle when he joined Arsenal. He's got a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle and there's a few pieces missing. And what somebody's done, or what he's done, is he's got his own jigsaw puzzle and he's poured it on the top. And now he's got 2,000 pieces. And slowly, slowly, he's got to weed out the bad bits and he's got to find the right bits for this puzzle. So, you know, we all love Kieran Tierney because of his effort and his commitment because that was what was missing from his old jigsaw puzzle. There wasn't any effort. There was a, It was a tired-looking Arsenal full of overpaid superstars who didn't really want to be there. You know, we changed their manager from the, the failings at the end of Wenger to an Emery that the crowd and the the club didn't get on with. And now we've got Mikel Arteta. So gradually he is weeding out those old pieces of the puzzle and he's putting in his new pieces of the puzzle. Well, maybe now, you know, maybe he, he would have liked to have got a Tammy Abrams or somebody who would have suited this style better, but he hasn't. And and whether Arteta is good enough now to 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 be able to work out how to fit those pieces together to get Tierney working, we'll see. But this was the first time we did see it. This is we, we, I heard you say there, Max Erdegaard um, and Smithrow didn't you know run into those spaces. Well, maybe because this is the first time they've really played in those positions. And when Emil Smithrow came on, he absolutely did. He, he he was the best player on the pitch by a mile when he came on. For twenty minutes, he just stretched the game. And because of his positioning and because of his running and because of his intelligent running, I thought that we did start to look like we were going to stretch the game. You're right. When those crosses go into a densely packed box, which you're going to get a lot of the times when teams sit back and defend against us, great. But I think Tierney is part of this plan where we play fast counter-attacking football. I think, but, you know, I think you're, you're going a bit early saying it's not going to work. Yeah, but to go into this counter-attacking football when you say that, um, I thought this as well, but when we was watching against Norwich, did you not feel that we wasn't pushing quick enough to do use that counter-attacking? Absolutely. There was no Remember way. What I was saying about Aubameyang, Mike? Aubameyang yeah. wants that fast early ball and he doesn't get it. So if that was the plan to, to stretch them out and to draw them out then we're still incredibly ponderous yeah. in midfield and play too many short balls. I thought yeah. Lekonga actually trying to ping balls in and out wide and Ainsley Maitland-Niles for Ainsley Maitland-Niles was very rocks and diamonds, but he had about a 20-minute period where he got his head up and he looked a little bit more energetic and he was slinging balls out early and wide. I thought we looked good. I, I mean, the, the, the biggest positives that I can pull out of that game is 
that was the most athletic 11 I've seen us put out for a long time is in physical runners. Hmm. Everyone who was on the pitch was a runner. And I thought that was something really, really lovely to see. I thought the guys at the back passed out really well. thought Lukonga played really well. I thought Pepe was a goal away from having his one of his best games for Arsenal and making me eat all of my words about him being crap. He's always like one touch or one piece away from being amazing. But the tweet that I put up, Darren, said, not a very cohesive performance, but a huge amount of individual performances to get excited about. So like you said, going back to your puzzle pieces, it felt like there were a lot of pieces of the puzzle, but Arteta hasn't quite brought the picture together. But I think that's something to get excited about. I'm defending Arsenal. We had the most shots we've had in since in any game since Arteta joined. I know that isn't always a great line. You can always just smash balls in from 40 yards and get nowhere. But the fact we had more we created more chances than we have done for a couple of years. And that was the first time he had that young team together. You touched on a really good point. A distribution from the back. Ben Wyatt um takes the ball forward when he gets it. He doesn't just pass it to the right back. You know, he doesn't just do that. That's what we've done for years is whoever's been playing in the centre-half positions are just giving it to the full-back and it's been given it back. He goes back side to side to side. He was hitting balls forward or he was carrying the ball forward. Um, the, the new right-back, Tiramasu. 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 Now I was trying to think of your words. It was Tiramasu and what do you call him? That makes sense. John John Tong John Tong Kotsu, I call him. Okay, well, right back Tom was distributing the ball well. You know, um, uh, you know, I think this is one of the failings with Tierney. I don't think Tierney is um, one of the best ball playing. You know, he's got all that energy and that desire, and he crosses the ball really well, and he's hard, and he's captain material, and he's a leader, and there's all those good things. Is he the best footballer in there? No, he's a bit Kalasinac in that way. He's uh, he's very square on. He's very solid, isn't he? But there were so many good things to take out of that. And no, it, it did look, it looked like a, a pre-season friendly to me in that they still didn't know exactly what they were doing. And I'm not saying Arteta is going to be the man who takes us forward in all this, but I'm excited about watching this team. We were never in any trouble. And I hate XG as a, as a, as a um, statistic, um, just because I think there's just too many statistics in football, you know, whether he should or shouldn't have scored. But the XG was a 4-0 game. So that's where it was. We didn't take our chances, but it was a 4-0 game. We, we, we were never in any trouble, and I was excited. Mm. Can I just say that I thought that Norwich were very good as well? Like I, early on in the season, very high energy levels. You know, it's still all on the table for them, and these games are harder than... I think what some people give credit to, but I thought Norwich were really, really compact. I thought they closed up the space as well. And I thought we were really good in two, essentially two 20 minute spells and the rest of the time they shut it down and they created chances as well. Yeah. I was just about to say that, uh, say the same like Norwich were, they did create some going forward, but they didn't really have shots on target. You know, I think there were some squeaky bum moments in them games where they hit us on the break more than what we did them. Which I felt like that that should really be the other way round. Well, we no, should be hitting them on the break. Yeah, but but I'm just now I'm just giving Norwich a bit of credit here as well, you know. And I'm giving you know I'm giving our defense a bit of credit as well because uh, you know as they broke forward, our defense did actually do their job for a change. We saw the defense doing the job that they're meant to be doing, 
and that's stopping the cross, stopping the runner, you know, and this is what I've been waiting to see. It's It's been nice to see. It's, it was a nice, refreshing change because there was a couple of times where I thought, oh, God, here we go. But it got it got shut down really quickly. And it's it's nice to see us. It's nice to see Arsenal do that for a change because we haven't seen that for so long. Normally, when we get put on that put on the back foot and teams are breaking forward, we get absolutely pounded for it. Mm. I think it's a good time to bring in uh, Tommy Yasu uh, as debuts go. Apart from one air kick um, about ten minutes into his debut, where he swung and completely missed the ball, uh, I thought he had as good a debut as I've seen from anyone. In recent years, I thought he he was everything that we were hoping for and just a little bit more. And I know he only played an hour and I know it's his first game. And I know, you know, I don't want to make all my judgments on that. But what I saw was a really athletic, strong, quick, forward thinking player. You know, mm-hmm. he he covered a lot of ground. He really had a, he covered a lot of ground. He had two shots, you know, one of a great volley that just skimmed over the bar. He defended really well. And the thing that we've been crying out for is we had someone who could head the ball. I mean, anything, we've had so many opposing goalkeepers who ping balls down the left and right because we've got short right backs, short left backs. And this time we had on that side, at least somebody who could just rise above and clear the ball. I think it's, it looks like it's an excellent piece of the jigsaw puzzle well he's six foot two if you couldn't have the ball then there's something wrong yeah yeah but we've seen six foot two <laughs> people who can't hit the ball yeah that's true you know <laughs> uh, just being tall doesn't mean you're good in the air it just you know, makes really me does. feel really sad for it makes me feel really sad for Callum Chambers because everything that Tommy Asu does his body shape the style of player that he is the way he passed the ball for me, Callum Chambers has all of those things available to him. I don't know what's happened to Callum this season, but if that was the type of right-back that Arteta was after, surely Callum should have been waving his fucking hands around in the air saying, pick me, pick me. But he was just awful in that position. I thought Tommy Asu, in that short debut, pulled Callum Chambers' pants down and spanked his ass and said, this is what a professional athlete looks like. Yeah, I agree. Just on that Callum Chambers comparison, think about it as me and you as broadcasters, Max. You know, um, you may have this, you can talk the same as I can talk, you can hear the same as I can hear, but you're never going to be as good as me. (laughs) It's true, Darren. It's true. (laughs) So, you know, like it's, you may want to be me, you may desire to be me, you may wave your hands and say, yes, Kelly, I want to be as good as Darren, but it's just not going to happen. And I think that's what you saw was a just a different level in class. And that's suddenly what we've got. I mean, I don't know, it's a very short um, uh, size, of, you know, a, a very, very short um, view we've seen of him. Uh, so it's what, I like, what I liked about him, Darren, was how professionally athletic he appeared as in he looked like he was 100% committed ready to go the way he ran the way his body looked I said when we came back from preseason, I said Callum Chambers looks fat around the middle like he looked unfit and his first couple of games he looked unfit maybe that's a guy who's fallen out of love with football a little bit John Tonkotsu on the other hand looked like a guy who was just fucking ready to go out there. And I think uh, someone made this comparison on Twitter and I, I sort of understood. I thought it was garbage. He was like, does anyone remember Kalasanak's debut where he was fucking brilliant? And I was like, 
absolutely, I understand that, that people can come out and people can have particularly good debuts. But I think there was definitely something there with Tommy Asu that I looked at and I said, I understand how that piece of the puzzle works with that piece of the puzzle and how that was meant to work with that piece of the puzzle. So there was a bit of clarity there. And I, it's, it's, um, this isn't mine. I think I'm stealing it from someone else. But someone said this might be Arteta's first real signing, like the first signing stylistically where it's been someone who he specifically wanted for this specific system to go into a specific spot and allow things to happen. And I didn't think that, or I thought that the other interesting thing of that was, and I saw Pepe get stick online, but I thought Pepe was dynamite, absolute dynamite. Didn't come off for him, but absolute think those dynamite. Two are linked, Max. Do you That's think those what I'm saying. I'm saying because Pepe wasn't shitting himself that he had fucking Cedric behind him, or, or shitting himself, yeah. yeah, or Bellerin behind him. You know, Bellerin pulling into midfield, or Cedric fucking going past him at wing. I thought it meant that Pepe could just. Do Pepe things? Well, that, and, was, that and, was the thing, isn't it? Because it was it was it was uh, against Norwich, and if we're playing somebody who's uh, going to, you know, playing against a Liverpool where they play with really good fullbacks, you know, you're going to expect Pepe to have to w- put a shift in, or maybe sit out that game. Maybe maybe sit yeah. out that game. Maybe but, in, but, maybe in but, that case, you you do what Arteta did last year, and you stick ESR onto the right wing because exactly, yeah. you know the fucker's going to run his socks off. And that people keep talking about this first eleven, Darren. And it's driving me fucking nuts online. People want this first They want the same first eleven every week and they want a back four every week. Fuck that. It's not modern football. If it requires a back three to match up to them, I want to play a back three. If it requires a Pepe in an overly structured team like Norwich, where you knew they were going to sit deep and you needed one fucking guy to drive their fullback back, then you play Pepe. I'm so sick of this idea that we need this first eleven. If we're going to be a top-class team, we need 16 players who are interchangeable, who can fill gaps, and different squad filler players. Urel Nennies, they still have a, a, a job, a role in a team coming off a bench to to see a game out. I thought AMN yeah, I- being able to start in midfield and then come over to right back was important as well. I understand the need to have consistency, but I don't understand the argument for people that they just want to see the same fucking 11 players go out regardless of the opposition, because those same people were saying Wenger out, and that's what they got pissed off about Wenger for. What's your take on that, Mike? Uh, Yeah, I do somewhat agree you do need interchangeable players, uh, definitely, because sooner or later someone's going to have an injury or a knock or something else, and you're going to need that person to swap straight in and be part, you know, that swap basically swap a puzzle puzzle piece, isn't it? Like we've been saying that puzzle piece has got to fit in exactly the same foot puzzle piece as that one. So it's got to interchange. It's got to lock. Um, but I also feel like um, not necessarily for starting 11 week in, week out, but I'd like to see some sort of consistency with the back four. You know, I want to see that back four be a unit and work as one. Yes, we're going to need that interchangeable part every now and again, but we're still going to need that solidness and the consistency and the gelness you know so they can connect together they know exactly what they're doing week in week out they can move as one for offside traps and whatever else that's what that's what i feel we need to see yeah I mean, a, I'm, I'm that back four. the rest think, of it doesn't really bother me so much it's just that back four i think we've 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 changed so much personnel through personnel through so many things whether it be transfers injuries illness covid we haven't had a set thing so max and i, I sort of go slightly the other way I I could name, bar one player, 
our, my preferred starting eleven. I haven't been able to do that for a long time. There's lots of players in there when you try and work out an Arsenal eleven. You think, oh, Jacka, don't really like him, but yeah, he'll play. Chambers at right back, Bellerin at right back. Mm, yeah, they're okay. Centre halves, not too sure. Now that was the team, apart from Party coming in, and we've got one spare in the attackers, Emil Smith Rowe. You know. That was, with party in for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, that is what I would consider to be my preferred first 11, with Smithrow being able to come in for one of those three attacking players. I am looking forward to seeing that team play five or six times. So we get to see this style that everyone's craving for. We keep asking, what you know, what is Arteta trying to do? Well, now this is, I think, his first 11, pretty much. Let's see what he can do. Let's try and be I don't consistent. think there's anything wrong with having a preferred 11. I just don't like this idea that people don't want to see any interchangeability. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, Thomas Party is not going to fucking play more than 10 games without getting an injury. We've already seen that. We already know that he's a soft tissue player. You're going to have ESR and Odegaard interchanging uh, across the season. You're going to have Saka and Pepe interchanging across the season. The only place I really want to see consistency is in the back four or back five. So whether we're going to play a back four or a back five, I want to see the same back four where possible when we can play a back four. And if that means building a relationship between Tonkotsu, Gabriel, Ben White and Tierney, or if that's not if, if that's not the idea going forward, that we change that up and maybe Ainsley Maitland-Niles goes but into that, that right the, wing-back that, position. Isn't that Arteta's puzzle? Isn't that what his, his, his new puzzle looks like? Because he's well, got I thought two last players. Week. Listen, let me finish, please. He's got two players in that back four stroke five in Tomoyatsu and Kieran Tierney who can both play uh, in, a, in a five. They can both play as central defenders in a five, both of them. Tomoyatsu played for Japan as a centre-half in the week before he played for us as right-back. Kieran Tierney, we have seen many times, step in as a... And and he has got wing-backs with Ainsley Maitland-Niles and with Tavares. So he's got those things covered. I think that's a smart thing. I think Arteta isn't thinking, this is my first 11. I'm just saying that, looking at that, our best players, our best players... That was almost, we, we've got rid of all of the ones we didn't like almost in that team. <laughs> you know, all the ones that we've got worries about. All of the Maris and, the, um, you know, the the, the Jackers. And the thing, all of the players that we're, we've got a question mark over, none of them really figured apart from maybe the Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who's got a great following for doing very little for the club. You know, he's um, that was almost, you know, our favourite team. Our favourite team. It was definitely a more a athletic time. It was definitely a more athletic team, Darren. I think that's what got people most excited was not seeing, you know, players like Xhaka in there, very, very slow on the turn. You know, I I still have every expectation that as soon as Xhaka is available, Xhaka is going to play because historically that's what I'm told. That's yeah. what I'm told by all of the coaches who have managed him, you know, but I even watched Ainsley Maitland-Niles and, and Laconga in there I thought there was so much more running in there. And when we were on the ball, I thought we progressed the ball faster. I'm not saying everything came off for them, but I, I thought we progressed the ball faster. What I don't want to see, Darren, is I don't want to see what Arteta did last year, which was this random chinning of players. And a player would get a run for a few games and play really, really well. For example, ESR. 
run in a position and play really, really well. And then all of a sudden the opportunity to loan in Odegaard happens. And yes, Odegaard played well, but it was at the cost of ESR. You know, I don't want to see all of a sudden Mari start getting a run at centre-back because someone has one poor game. Like I said, I understand where people are looking for consistency and I want that consistency as well. But I also think people need to understand it's a very, very long season, actually a shorter season for us because no European football. Um, but there's going to be interchangeability in there. Yeah. Well, I get what Darren was saying, that, you know, that core 11 that we saw against Norwich. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see more of that. So I get what you're saying, that core first 11 team, that that is your core team. It, it needs to be played. The majority of them players need to be playing the majority of the season. So I get what you're saying there. I, I, I tend, I obviously, I'm going to agree with that. But obviously, like I say, we are going to have that... Uh, interchangeability like with the back five sometimes with maybe a top two rather than a top three and so on and so forth. So I get that. So but to go with what Max of- says, yeah, so what you were saying there about them, them players who do really, really well, like ESI, you know, Pepe had a really good run of four or five games and then we didn't see him for about three months. Mm. So it's just a case that like, this is why I don't, this is why I'm questioning the whole tactics and everything else with Arteta. Because this core 11 will work. That core 11, for me, at this moment in time, I see that being a top eight team for definitely. You know, possibly even a top six team. Mm. That's, de- that's definitely on the cards, That how I see it with that team. What I don't see is that top six being with Arteta's tactics and his interchangeability and this running of players that he's, he's got, these... These players that seem to get ostracised just for being a good player or maybe having a word with him in the background for something that, look, can I get some more playtime? Yeah, you'll get some more playtime. See you later. You're on the you're in the under-23. But, Mike, is that him tactically? Because I've got this theory with Arteta now that I think he's good tactically and I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's an amazing man manager. Well, yeah, that, and, yeah, and that's that, yeah. That's that. That's that thing in every single career. You get better at the longer you do it. You get better at kind of rubbing balls at the right time in the right way and making people feel welcome. And I think that where his biggest failure is is that he's not. He doesn't have that like get up and follow me. I, I don't yeah, feel do that from him. Different. But, you know, we're in a multi-million pound business with multi-million pound individuals. The most successful Arsenal manager in, in, in my history, the one that transformed our club, shall I say, was George Graham, where we went from a, a mid-table side to a, a side that won two titles and a couple of FA Cups and things. You know, he changed it. Wenger obviously then took us to a new level. But George Graham was a, we didn't talk to anybody. He didn't talk to anyone. There's a story that goes about, I think it was Paul Davis who was playing in our central midfield, asked when he knocked on his door and asked him for a pay rise. He was put in the reserves for the next year and a half. Yeah, he didn't play again for Arsenal. Um, you know, this was George Graham's style, you know, and, and it worked because these players knew what they were doing. They, they turned up for work. The only person that he would talk to would be the club captain, which was Tony Adams, and Adams was the link between that. Let's not, you know, we don't know if he's a good man manager. I saw those players playing their hearts off. He said they looked more athletic. They looked like they just really wanted a fucking win. 
You know, they 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 were energy from first minute to last minute. That is a sign to me that they want to play for the manager. So I don't see there's an issue with him at the moment. I think he's got rid of those players who have seen it all before. The likes of Hector Bellerin, who I've always loved, is one of the old school players who just probably can't be, hasn't got the, the desire to just, oh, here we go, another plan, another style, another... You know, and he needed a fresh change. I think he's done that. He has got rid of a lot of those players who were were problematic to a team ethic. You know, you got to remember he's worked with Pep Guardiola. Guardiola's a very, very tough manager, very, very demanding. And I think you can see some of that with Arteta is that no, this is the way we're doing it. You're not bigger than me. Which player in Manchester City is bigger than Pep Guardiola? And but, our bigger superstar. Yeah, you've got to understand that you've got to come to this point is obviously these a lot of these players, like for instance, Abamyang and Xhaka, and you know, they've been at the top for quite a while, you know. And okay, Arteta he didn't retire from football that long ago. He went into Man City and everything. But you got you got to look at Pep has made a name for himself. He hasn't just come straight from when you're somewhere. Winning. Yeah, you know, he's 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 made a name for himself throughout the years, you know, at Barcelona, at Bayern Munich, at Man City, and I, don't, I can't remember where else he's managed. But he has made that name for himself. He's got, he's been there, he's gone up, he's got to the top, and he's, he's sort of been consistent. He's had a couple of ups and downs, don't get me wrong, but he has been consistent in that. So he has made that name for himself. He's got that, he's earned that respect from a lot of these things. But we saw that with Maitland Niles, you see, he had to take to Instagram, didn't he, over his transfer so but you got when you go on about George Graham and stuff I think that's a generational thing you know if you go through the years like, as you go through the years and everything else the generations tend to it, you know it all differs don't it so we've got that age of social media now and without really pissing off any generation and stuff but you had the millennials which we all know what they're like and we are and we know what other th other generations are like and this new gen z and everything else so everything sort of changes things needs people need to be worked differently you know, and thing is, like what George Graham did back then would have worked for for that time. You know, I'm not talking to you. You talk to this cap. You know, you talk to the captain, and the captain talks to me. That um, power play would work back then, but now, well, to be fair, we haven't even got a captain to make that Mike, work. Mike, Mike, two really poignant points that you've made there. Number one, with these modern players you have to take a modern management approach to them. So you can't take a George Graham-style approach. People often say, when will we see another Tony Adams? We'll never see another Tony Adams no. because that was a generational stiff upper lipid mentality of you will not get one over me. We'll never see another Roy Keane. I don't think we'll ever see another Patrick Vieira. Obviously, Roy Keane didn't play for Arsenal, but I just mean those styles yeah. of players. So I think, that's, I think that's a really solvent point. I think the other thing with Pep and being a cunt is you can be a cunt when you're winning. Hmm. Right, no go. issue. You just ruined. You just ruined fifty-six minutes of broadcasting. Okay, you can you can be a c-word when you're winning. I don't think you. And if Arteta's bought that same mentality and tried to implant that same mentality of I'll chin you, but he doesn't have the Barcelona on his CV. He doesn't have the Bayern Munich on his CV. He hasn't managed Lewandowski, Messi, all of these players. Won Premier Leagues on the last day. And um, what I hope is. I hope that what we've got is someone who's re a really, really good manager. And people keep saying oh, that, he, that he's learning his way in football. I don't believe that Arteta's learning his way in football. I believe he's learning his way in management, in people management and in player management. 
I'm sure he's got all the skills, all the intelligence, all the ability. He's done his badges, the same thing as everyone else. I'm sure he puts that team out with the intention of that team going out and playing a specific way that is going to win games. He gets Arsenal as well. He gets Arsenal. Absolutely, absolutely. But he doesn't come across as that. I was talking, I went for a kick the other day with my mates, a mad Liverpool fan. And he was saying to me that Arteta is most likely a better coach than Klopp, but Klopp is such a phenomenal man-manager that he squeezes every single bit of juice out of every single player every single week and they'll die for him. So he said to me, if you let Arteta go, he said, I guarantee you in five years he pops up at a big club somewhere and you regret it. But the thing is, are we willing to wait for Arteta to learn? Are, are, are we the place where he's learning his mistakes and then ultimately, well, he has, you know, if he ends I mean, up going, this, he'll go I elsewhere? I said this on the podcast that never was a couple of weeks ago. You know, we took a chance on a manager who has no experience. It's a very strange thing to do for a huge club like Arsenal to take on a manager who's never done the job before. That's an incredibly strange decision. Um, you know, one that I'm still baffled by, why you would entrust. Um, this club, with all of its history and its money and its power and its status, to somebody who's never done the job before. Very, very, very strange. However, the fact that we have made that decision and we've seen over the last 18 months the mistakes he's made, but we've also seen enough the way that he managed to to, to beat Chelsea, Manchester United, uh, Manchester City to go on and win the, the FA Cup in his first season. We know there's something about him. We can see the way he's weeded out some of the players that haven't bought into this style. You can see that there is a strategy and a plan for the future that he is selling to these players to come to our club. So, so yes, we have made a decision to take on a manager who is learning on the job, who is making his mistakes now. And I'm sure he would have done some things differently. But now we've got to this stage. Let's get behind him like most of the people are, certainly at the stadium, and let's see what he can do, do with this jigsaw puzzle. There were more green shoots in this game, Darren, to finish on a positive. I left this game with more of an idea of what style of football Arteta really wanted to play. I left this game with more of an idea of what type of footballer Arteta wanted to play with. And cohesion comes from playing together for a long period of time. Winning breeds winning. It doesn't bred it. You can try. But winning does, it. <laughs> winning, winning does breed winning. And, you know, I thought it was funny. Everyone in our group, in our um, prediction group, like most people were predicting like four nils and three nils and stuff like that. And I was like, where do you think all of these goals are all of a sudden uh, going to come from? I bet six nil it was. But... I always thought it was going to be low. I always thought it was going to be low scoring, and I always thought that something needed to go in off someone's ass, off a post, off something, and then that would start the process of us moving. Sorry, where's forward. the positivity coming? Because I want to wrap this up. Come on, oh, where's I'm the just, positivity? I'm, Come on. I'm saying there are more green shoots than I've seen before. So far to start this season, there are more green shoots. I like the young players. I didn't think the team played particularly well together as a unit, but the more that team plays together, the more cohesion they're going to have, and I think that we're going to have a better season than what I thought we were going to have a week ago. Yeah. Scanning, finish up. What have you got to say? Uh, well, yeah, I, I agree with Max. You know, I think I mentioned it on Twitter. You know, where was we perfect? No. Do we still have some occurring issues? Yes. Are we bottom of the table? No, we're not. <laughs> not anymore. And has Arteta lived to, you know, live to fight another day? Yeah, he has. So, you know, there's positives there. Of course, there's positives. It's it's top. It's not. It's constructive positivism from me at the moment. 
Not going to suck really. his dick, Scunny. No, but I will I'm give not him quite, a, I'll, I'm I'll not give quite him there a cheeky yet. hand job. Cheeky hand job around the side of the bus station. You're on, Mikel. You fucking no, deserve no, it. No, 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 no. He gets one PP <laughs> touch. That's it. One, one PP touch. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's all he's earned so far. One PP touch. Can't By be. the end of the year, Johnny, I want to fuck him. I want him. <laughs> I want him to make me want to fuck him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's yeah. Well, today. some of us have got to go to work. Some of us uh, uh, got. To, uh, I feel that I've just. I sense just a tiny weeny bit of positivity in both of you, which which cheers me up no end. It's relief more than anything else. I think. Relief was the overriding emotion leaving the stadium on Saturday afternoon, and it was so lovely having a three o'clock Saturday afternoon kickoff. I've got to say it was mm. uh, it was kind of nice. It it felt like old school football. Look, let's call it a day there. I've got to go. I've got to do some things. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, we might be you may you may never hear this because I've got no idea whether Matt can press the right button or not. Uh, that's why I'm going to cut it short now, just in case, especially with his swearing at the end means it might not go out once more. Anyway, it will yeah. it will go I, out, Darren? I believe it will go out. I believe that we'll be back again next week, Darren. On what day we'll be back? We knows? don't know because this is Thursday night live. On whatever day we decide we want it to be. And don't get confused if the intro music doesn't match the outro music. <laughs> so, there was buttons and things going on. But we'll see you next week here we'll on just the press one of those buttons. an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.